0: Have you ever wanted to share the faith with someone but the words didn't come out exactly right? You maybe made a scrapbook for them and you wanted to give them all that's here and it just didn't come out. Or maybe you were on the other side and you just needed like something deep and big and, and you needed God and somebody came to you with, with, with something that just didn't connect that well. We've all been on both sides of that, and I want to talk about that today. I want to bless, God bless the woman who gave the scrapbook today, but I also want to talk about how we can feed others, and how easy it is, and how it's a fun thing to do. If you're here for the first time, we welcome you to Highlands and hope that you find this a place of faith. Can you feel the, the life that Jennifer talked about here? We also welcome those listening from Merced just around the corner and, hey, come on over, get in the car and drive over and visit us. Merced is not too far away. We are on our third part of our series that Caleb laid out called Journey, and we're taking a look at the three stages of the Christian journey. Now, of course, there are many more, but these are the three main focus in a foci, if you will, in our church. And what we've seen is that our church has people in all three stages, people in the very beginning, the beginning of faith, and I won't make you raise your hands, but this church is full of brand new followers. And then there are people in the intermediate phase, the people who have kind of been in the faith for a while, and and they're just persevering, they're just keeping going, they're self-feeding. And then finally, we have people in the mature, the advanced phase, and we'll talk about how that can work into our lives. So we have all three, and it's a really a great thing that we have all three groups in our church. Now, some churches only have one. They only have the seekers. They call them the seeker churches. You've never heard the word seeker out of my mouth, except for just now. But, uh, but we're not that. We are a church for de-churched people. That's our mission statement. It's on our doors just outside. We help de-churched people become fully devoted followers. You've got to be careful about mission statements, because uh, you know some people take them a little too seriously. This uh, boss... Was uh, trying to put a new mission statement in his work the other day. And uh, he wanted everyone to work harder and no one to relax, no one to rest, just work all the time. He came into work and he saw this guy leaning up against the wall. And he said to the guy, Now, who are you? You're just leaning, don't you know the mission statement? What do you make every week? He said, Well, I make 400 bucks. And uh, the boss pulls out 400 bucks and says, Here's 400 bucks and here's 1,600 bucks total for your severance now. Get out of here. I never want to see you in this place again. The guy was really excited, 1600 bucks. He got out of there. Yeah, the boss asked everyone afterwards, well, who was that guy? And everyone else said, well, that's, that's the pizza guy. He was here uh, delivering <laughs> pizzas. <laughs> you got to be careful with these uh, mission statements, all right? But here's our vision statement. Here's our vision statement. We are going to, as a church, try to help feed brand new followers. We're going to do everything we can to help feed, to help brand new followers ride the wave and also keep on the journey. Now, people who are on the intermediate phase, we want to help you to learn how to self-feed. We talked about that last week, how you should learn just like a a miner, mining for gold. Take your pick out, and that's your Bible, and there's your bucket, that's the church, and bring your gold to church once a week, and your lamp, that's prayer. And you go mine, and you, you go find the gospel that God wants you to have. And then finally, we're going to talk today about people in the mature category, how we can help feed other people. Let's talk about that. It's really easy, really fun. And I want to just lay it on your hearts how, how important it is too. Let's pray first about this. Father, we know how badly you want the dream of your life and your future and your salvation to be communicated to your people. We know that that is your burning desire. And yet we confess to you today, Lord, that we don't actually know how to do that. That maybe we've tried or that we maybe have fallen short, we've done silly things that don't work. And so we confess to you that we want to do better, but we don't know how. On this day, Lord, everyone in this room, we ask that you would give us the vision for that, how to get the dream of your kingdom into your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, speaking of kingdom, my daughter Haley and Star and I just got back from Disneyland. It's where I... Got this nice voice. It was in between uh, It's a Small World After All and the teacup and um, 110 degree heat down there and a corn dog. But I had a great time. Haley had a wonderful time at this uh, Disneyland. She was so excited. There's only one kid who had more fun at Disneyland and that was me when I was a kid. When I was her age, it was just the dream. It was so much bigger than me. It was Princess Castle and as Haley calls her Cinderella. It was a it was just big. And I was thinking to myself, what is it about Disneyland that's been able to do that since 1950? Back when I went to Disneyland, uh, you know, Mickey Mouse looked more like a rat than he did a mouse. But how have they been able to, like, do this thing that is now like Disneyland, Tokyo, and Paris, and Florida? And how is it like this dream? And I, and I saw the mission statement on the back of the... Uh, back of the uh, wall as I was coming out of the teacup for the 14th time. And I, I read the mission statement from Walt Disney. And I was thinking how important it is for us to have a similar mission statement as we feed others. Listen to this. Disneyland is a work of love. It's not a work of labor. They actually like doing what they do. We didn't go into Disneyland just to make money. It's not about money. We've always just wanted to share the dream, this dream, this dream with other people. And finally. The key is that we stop talking and start doing. That it'll be about action and not just about words. And as I thought about that, that's what we got to do, right? We got to like just share this dream. It, it's not about money. We talk about it now and then, but it's not about money. It's not about the number of people. It's about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is so much bigger than all of us. And it's, it's life-changing with people who, who can also be a part of the dream. Now, that seems like it's the thing way up here, but I want to show you how easy it is. Now, there's probably about 200 people in this room right now, but if we took this group of people here, this would be about 100 people. Jesus was speaking to about this number of people, about 72 people who were brand new in the faith. They'd just been going to the Jesus church for one year. Now, the thing is about Jesus church is you actually advance pretty quickly because you've been hanging out with him. You go from beginning to intermediate to advance pretty quickly. But just imagine yourself right here, or this group right here, listening to Jesus, and you come to church on a Sunday morning, and he says to you this, all right, instead of church today, I'm sending you out. You're like, "Ah, bummer. I don't want to go out. I like the worship songs. I got a nice seat. I got coffee. No, look, I'm sending you out. This is what he says. After this, Jesus appointed 72. I love it that it's not like the 12 disciples. I love that, because I'm I try to compare myself to Peter and Andrew. No, those guys are like way up here. But I'm one of the 72. That's, this is Tom, Dick, and Harry right here. That's me, Tom, Dick, and Harry and Graham. After this, the Lord appointed 72. All right, you all here, I'm sending you out today. And he sent them out two by two. You two, you two, you two, you two, you two. You guys are going out. Jesus always sent out people two by two. When we started this church, there were two people, Jamie Baird and Graham Baird. And there was something special about two people, two brothers, like the Weller boys. God always sent out two people. By the way, this is also an endearment for marriage. God gives us marriage as a a way to kind of get through the journey. Here, let's keep going. He sent them out two by two ahead of him to every place where he was about to go. Now, look, Jesus is not saying, don't you go meet Jesus. He's not saying, you go and preach great sermons. I'm just sending you out as advanced people. Just go out there. Hit the road and go to all the towns around. Go to Creston. Go to Harmony. uh, Go to to Cambria. Go to all the towns around here. And he says this. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There will be way more work than you can do. Way more. Ask the Lord of the harvest. I love this. Whose harvest is it? Is it ours? No, it's God's harvest. All we got to do is like put dig a hole. Can you dig a hole? I can dig a hole. That's what I'm good at, digging holes. Sometimes I jump in them, but I'm good at digging holes. Jesus is going to develop the harvest, all right? Therefore, he sent out workers into his harvest. He says, go, I'm sending you like lambs among wolves. You can just see all the 72 going, okay, we're going home. This sermon's getting weird. Jesus is actually saying, remember when we talked about how Jesus said, he is the lion and we are the lamb? that Jesus is Aslan and we are the lambs, there will be wolves out there. It is folly to think as Christians that we live in a world without wolves. There are wolves. But we serve a lion. And it's great, to, it's great to know that there are wolves when you've got a lion. I'll take a lion any day against wolves. So don't worry. You're a lamb. Go out. Do not take a purse, a bag, or a sandals. In today's world, he would say, don't take like a 16-point Bible plan, Don't take a whole bunch of tracks with you. Don't take Graham's sermon. Just head out. Just go. And don't greet anyone on the road. In those days, the road was the dangerous place. Actually, you wouldn't go into a road because you might get beat up or mugged out there. Jesus is saying to you, "Don't don't go to dangerous places. Just hit the road. Just go out there. Go out there. He continues. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. Peace. Now, don't say peace. No one says peace anymore unless 1960s carryover. Just say, hey, how's it going? How are you? Be nice. Just be nice. Can you do that? Just be nice. I'm sending you out to just be nice. Do you know how few people in the world are actually nice anymore? It's true. You go into Kennedy Fitness or you go into the store and you buy something. People are just dragging and mean. And Do you know how, do you know how much of a, a witness it is just to say, hey, how's it going? is going well? God bless. Don't say, maybe don't say God bless you. Just say God. Okay, just say take care. Whatever it is, the word that you use, just be nice. That's the groundwork here. He's just saying to be nice. If a man of peace, if they're nice, well, your niceness will rest on him. If they're not nice, it's coming back to you. Now, when you enter a town and you're welcome, eat whatever is put before you. Now, have you ever been to like a neighborhood picnic And everybody there is kind of hanging out, but there's one guy in the corner drinking beer and smoking. And all the Christians are like over on the side going, have you seen so-and-so smoking over there? Yeah, we thought so. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus is saying, don't do that. Now you can explain to your kids afterwards that this is not a healthy lifestyle, but roll with it. You don't have to join them, but roll with it a little bit. When I was uh, in the Philippines one time with my wife, Star, we were there on a mission trip, and we had been working all day long, and it would have been real nice to have like an In-N-Out burger. We stayed in this guy's house, and he opened up an old can of corned beef. Already been open for a while. He heated it up, and there was old rice, flies going around. To tell you the truth, that was one of the best meals I've ever had. You just roll with it. Eat what's in front of you. Don't be that Christian who's skirking off in the corner and and casting glances at all the people around. Heal the sick who are there. Now, in today's terms, that would just be help people out. Just help people out. Hey, you need your garbage cans brought in? All right, I got them this week. Help people out. And now here is the most important part of this phrase. Tell them the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, there are two translations of this. In John the Baptist's time, this was like the end of the world is coming, which is not that comforting for people outside the faith. It isn't. A lot of people have held up these signs thinking this was the translation, the kingdom of God is near, make your life right. Not too many people have come to Christ through that. But this is a different translation. The kingdom of God is near you. God is in your life. God is in your heart. He's right here. He's right here. Don't you feel him? God is with you. God is with you. God be with you. You know what I've started to say to people instead of if I love you, God love you. God's with you. Do you know how you can change people by just saying that? So you're just telling people God is with you. God is near you. He's around you. I can see him. And people just begin to embrace that. So tell people God is near. So this is what he tells them to do, right? Head out two by two. Don't worry about the hard work. I'll come later. It's my harvest. You just gotta be nice. If people are mean to you, don't sweat it. If people are uh, eating weird stuff, just roll with it a little bit. Uh, Then he says, you know, eat whatever's in front of you. Tell people God is with them. Can he do that? Now, you can just see the 72, and they're like, okay, I'll go do it. One time, Jesus, one time. So this group or this group head out, and they come back, and they're full of what? They had so much fun. They are full of joy. That was way better than church, way better. And we had power. Even the demons submitted to us. That's what really God is saying to you today. No matter what category you were in, intermediate, beginning, advanced, wherever, somewhere in between. I'll show you a graphic which we feel kind of everybody's on this thing. We're all between this kind of feeding ourselves, being fed, and feeding others. This is our vision statement, and it's elusive, but we're all there. But God is saying to us, it's really, really easy. And it will be fun to do this. I want to tell you how easy it is. And uh, it's an idea that I gave to a bunch of pastors for this uh, pastor's workshop that my brother Jamie and I did called Renew. This was one of these scary deals where actually we invited pastors to come to something and then they actually came and they paid money and we're like, oh no. (laughs) We actually have to figure out something to say. (laughs) because they like took time. And some of these guys were like 40 year old, you know, people in the ministry for 40 years or 50 years. They, had, they knew their chops. So here I'm up there standing and they've come and they want a few good ideas. And I gave them like nine ideas. They were only okay. But then I said this, this is my one really, really big idea for you to feed others, to just give your church and your community life. This is it. And they're all there with like their pencils and they're pocket protectors and stuff. You know, these are pastors. And so I said, are you guys listening? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're listening. This is what you got to do. Call people on the phone. They're all sitting there like, surely it must be more than that. No, you pick up the phone and you call people on a Saturday. You, they, they needed more explanation. These are pastors. You pick up the phone... You push the button, and you say, Hi, this is Pastor John. Is there anything I can do to pray for you? Now, I'll tell you what. I have done that at Highlands Church every Sunday that I wasn't riding the teacup at Disneyland. I have done that every Saturday. These are only three packets of cards that you have written to me. And I want you to know any card that you give us, we hold dearly. They are in my office. They are like in this chest by my office. We have 10 of these packets. Every prayer request you've ever given, every phone number correction, may not make it into the computer, but it's in here, okay? So, so this, is our, this, is our, this is our stock and trade. And I have called as many people as I can on weekends, on Saturday. Hi, this is Graham. Is there anything I can do to pray for you? Now, I have this idea. I just have this kind of wacky idea. We got like 72 people here, or 100, and maybe 200 people here. What if I just sent you out this week to call people? Just one person. Just one person. And this is all you gotta do. You don't have to give a sermon. Don't do that, please. Don't give like a 16 point plan. You're gonna get a click. All you gotta do, when you're talking to someone who's a little, maybe you think they need prayer or maybe on the margins of faith, or whatever. God has called you to call someone. You call them up, and you say, Hi, this is Michelle. Is there anything I can do to pray for you? And I'll tell you what. You go do that, and you will come back next week with joy and a sense of power. Because the things that people will tell you will blow your socks off. I mean, I've been doing this for me as much as for other people since the beginning, because I just kind of want to find out where people are. I called a woman a couple of weeks ago on the phone. She spoke Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. It was pretty painful for a while. Me amo, Graham, me too, and that's about all I can say. But then she said, food, food, food. She needed food. So she came down to the church and got food. I called a woman a couple of months ago, and I said, hi, this is Graham. Is there anything I can do to pray for you? She said, yeah. My husband just got hit by a buffalo bomb in Afghanistan. This morning so we had a prayer there and you know that person she goes and he goes to our church he made it he's okay there's another person i called last week and she was really 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 mad about the government and so for 45 minutes she went on about the government and i said look we're kind of a non-political church but let's have a prayer here (laughs) we had a prayer she said thank you i feel better Now look, you call somebody and you say, is there anything I can do to pray for you? You're going to get a whole lot of answers back. And your response to that will be feeding people. And you will revitalize this whole area. So I just want to give you a couple of thoughts on this, how you can, maybe you're a beginning Christ follower, maybe you're intermediate, maybe you're advanced, how easy it is, just a couple of hints about this whole process. Number one, you got to remember you're just like the front person. You're just laying the groundwork. You're just putting in the foundation. You can do that. You just mix up cement and put it on the ground. You don't build the house. You don't have to do that. That's God's job. One of my favorite pastors is a guy named Dale Bruner down there in Southern California, and you know how crazy it is down there. And uh, sorry to our listeners from Southern California, but (laughs) it's just as a fact. And this guy, Dale Brenner, great guy. He was kind of fired up by Bill Bright from Youth Ministries to get out there and make Christ followers. Got to wonder about make Christ followers. All you do is lay the groundwork, okay? So he goes out there, and you know you got these weird restaurants around and stuff, and so he's hanging out outside of one of them, and he's got a track in his hand, a track. Now, the first guy who ever thought of a track was probably a genius. Everyone else, I don't know, I've never seen it work. So he's handing out tracks to the guys on the street. And he said, look, do you know who Jesus Christ is? He's your Lord and Savior. This guy said, no. And if you don't get out of here, I'm going to kick your can. Only he didn't say can. So Dale got real discouraged. He got real discouraged. Notice in that one sentence, Dale was actually trying to build the house, right? Just trying to, you can build the house. That's God's job. Lord is your, Jesus Christ, is your Lord and Savior is the house. God will help them figure that part out. You lay the groundwork. So Dale goes over to a park bench, and he gets real discouraged, and he gets on his bench, and he starts reading his Bible. A guy comes and sits next to him, and he keeps reading. This guy is nice, but Dale isn't that nice, and he keeps reading. And the guy says, what is that? And Dale says, it's a Bible. Now, here's his opportunity (laughs) to say something, but actually, it's kind of good he didn't. Because Dale is just reading along. The guy says, cool, a Bible? I got to get one of those. Nice talking to you. He gets on the bus. Now, Dale did his job. He just had to lay the groundwork. And only God knows what happened with that guy when he got off the bus. So number one, God does, God does this stuff. You just lay the groundwork. Number two is this. This whole thing, this is really important. You have to wear your religion lightly. Now, I want to be clear here. Don't wear your faith lightly. Wear that like it's the most important thing in your life. But your religion, wear it lightly. Wear it lightly. Now, I don't know what's happened in 2,000 years, but something's happened in Christianity where Jesus came into the world and he said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavily laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is light and my burden well, is not heavy. It has become heavier heavier and heavier, and heavier, and heavier, and more serious. So most Christians today carry themselves with so much seriousness. It's not what Jesus meant it to be. You know, the people that Jesus had the biggest trouble with was the religious establishment. Jesus came in, and he healed folks. He did all kinds of stuff with broken people, but it was the religious establishment who said, you aren't religious enough. And for that, they killed him. They killed him. Now, I don't want to make too fine a point on this, but it's that important. Here, if some of you who are advanced have been in the faith for a while, I'm going to give you some advanced language. This is what I'm saying. If you are a mature Christian, you need to repent of the sin of pride every single day. Every single day. Repent means turn away. Sin is falling short. And pride is just what happens to people Who've been on the road for a while. I do this every day. I have to. I have to do it. You know, I know I will be in front of my maker someday, and he will say, All right, tell me about your life. And I'll say, Well, I certainly made some mistakes, but I didn't take myself too seriously. And I hope God will say, Graham, all right. You didn't. You didn't. It's that important. I had a guy the other day, I had a guy the other day who called me up uh, on a on a thursday when i was writing my sermon and you know thursdays are my serious sermon days right i stay at home and i really try to bury myself in books i literally do they're all around me and i got a call he's been a brand he's a brand new christ follower and he said graham i need you to come pray with me today and i said i i okay i'll see you yeah, let's pray on the phone he said no no down at the cross at the church on your knees well, I don't know if he didn't get the memo, but Thursday was my sermon day. And it's serious work, right? If I don't work on that sermon, it's not going to be good, right? And so I said to the guy, I don't think I can make it, but God bless you. And I t- put down the phone and I realized get down to the church and get on your knees before that cross. And I did. And that's what God needed me to do. And that's what God needs you to do too. It's just every day recognizing, Lord, don't don't make me too serious about this stuff. Make me serious in you. (coughs) Excuse me, but don't make me wear this religion too heavily. (coughs) Finally, before I lose my voice, it's this last point. Figure out the way that God has wired you uniquely. Thank you. We're doing a product endorsement here. Vanilla, okay. (laughs) God has wired you in a unique way to feed others. And when you figure that out, you will have so much fun. Many of you came to the film class that Matt taught this, this last year, this last summer. Now, the funnest thing about Matt Fox is that he has loved films for a long time. He has a tiny apartment about half the size of this little part here. He has a 1,000 videos in there, A 1,000 videos. I don't know if you take the paper, but he writes articles about film every single week. This guy loves film. He has just figured out how to to share film and faith. That is when you figure out your calling in your life. Another example of this, my mother-in-law has been handing out tracks. She plays the piano at church. (coughs) She's a dear, sweet woman. She's been handing out tracks at restaurants for the last 30 years. What she does after the server comes and gives her her bill, she puts down her money and her tip and she puts the track underneath it. And it's kind of embarrassing, honestly. We've been a little embarrassed for a long time, not because there's anything wrong with it, but just because it, it never, never works. So this last year, my mother in law began to teach a class on revelations. She happens to be an expert on revelations. She taught that class to a group of suit-wearing people who were wearing seersuckers and bow ties and everything else. I went and taught for a week this last summer at this particular camp where I got maybe 10 to 15 people out on a night. I asked Corrine, how did you do? She said, I had 150 people in my class. She finally figured out how God had wired her to minister to others. It's easy. It's fun. And when you come back next week, after calling someone, I know you will come back with joy and a sense of power in your life. And we pray for you as you do that. Father, through this feeble voice of mine, I ask that you would send words of encouragement. Lord, I ask that you would continue to be with each person in this church. We thank each of them for their love of you and help us to have fun with feeding your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.